Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. All right, Stump, welcome to episode 67. 67, moving on. We are How you feeling? Closer. How you feeling? How you been, Stomp? I miss you. <laughs> I miss you too, man. <laughs> like two separate worlds here. Uh, but I was going to say, it was like getting closer and closer to 100K. I keep on checking. Oh, 100,000 downloads. Oh, yeah. We're getting there. Are we? We are definitely getting there every single are we, day. Are we ready to announce anything yet or no? Um, no, not quite yet, but uh, we will keep listeners informed. They'll be the first to know. <laughs> okay, so that's a teaser. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so breaking news, Stomp, to start off with. This is going to like um, trigger some people, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. What you got? Um, I have, I thought you were going to do this, but now I'll do it. Oh, so we have, um, the cog railroad has been approved to do the building of this railroad car thing that they want to do. It's called going to be called Lizzie station. Yeah. And, um, they've got state approval. So the governor and executive council have approved a memorandum of understanding between the state and the Mount Washington Cog Railroad Company that will allow the Cog to build its Lizzie Station while re- helping to relieve congestion on the summit. Correct. I'm, I'm skeptical about that part, but anyway. Oh, yeah, um, so the memorandum of understanding between the state uh, Department of Natural and Cultural Resources and the Cog amends the Cog's right-of-way easement. So I think... This has been an ongoing dispute going back to like the original. Um, they had signed some documents, I think, in like the early 1900s around right of way easements and um, how the observatory and the Cog Railroad in the state have access to the the 60 acre summit cone. So I think this must be like sort of the compromise to get everybody settled down and to put a put a pin in any lawsuits that are going on. Yeah. So the plan at this point, I believe from what I understand is that they're going to have a stretch of sleeper cars. So no no giant 32,000 square foot mansion, correct? That is my understanding. Yeah. So they're basically looking to build a platform on there right away that would add like 120 feet of length to the existing track, along with a ramp and an elevated platform in front of the Sherman Adams building. Yeah. So um, I, I don't think that that part was well received, and uh, they've been working on kind of clarifying the deal. So. Uh, what they're going to do is locate this just below the summit on land that the COG already owns. And the way they're selling this is they're saying that this is going to help significantly reduce congestion outside the main building and will provide <laughs> additional infrastructure, bathrooms, sewage capacity, water, and fiber optics. So it almost sounds like they're trying to like line this up so that it's like a second, it's a better option than going into the observatory building for their customers. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I don't think it's going to make a difference with the traffic up there at the summit, but I do think it's going to put this to bed and prevent any eyesore uh, from happening like this, you know, a 32,000 square foot mansion. I think it's going to hopefully be a low profile, you know, acre or whatever that would be um, 
foot-wise um, of trains and sleeper cars. So, I mean, I can live with it, put it to bed. Hopefully, nothing will come up in the future. Yeah, yeah. So, it's essentially going to be a little bit below the summit, and they're going to stop there. And the way that they're saying that it's going to reduce congestion at the summit is they're saying, like, some people are going to get off there, and maybe they'll spend time at, at that location. Maybe they'll choose to hike up the rest of the way to the summit. Um, and then they're going to have a train just going back and forth between the summit and Lizzie Station. Huh. Um, and then, obviously, they'll have the overnight stuff. So, I mean... I mean, we've talked about this a bunch of times. Know, like, yeah. In a perfect world, like I would have nothing up there, but it's there. Um, it's you know, the this way, is this is a good compromise, I guess. The, yeah, it's the way of civilization. We have to expand. You know, I, I, I've come a long way in my thinking on you know self-preservation of these trails versus you know opening up the trail system to to new people and out-of-staters and this and that and i think we just have to change and grow with it and try to spread people out the most we can and i think this is sort of in line with uh that that concept yeah yeah exactly i mean if again like if there was if we could have nothing up there then great but um, as much as people like don't like the cog and I think on the hiking world, it's probably like a 80, 20, 90, 10 when you say like the percentage of people that can't stand it versus, versus those that are either neutral or, or supportive. I sort of probably come down more on the neutral side. I do as what sort of gets me going a little bit about the cog is when people just are completely against it i sort of like to call out the fact that um you know they do step up when needed when it comes to rescues like they've been there multiple times over the years they've stepped up to help out with rescues when when it's in their area so give them credit for that i think that my biggest beef with them is the the amount of sort of debris and trash along the track so i'm hoping that whoever negotiated this deal and i think that they did a little bit of work there already Mm -hmm. haven't been up there to check it out but hopefully they're going to fully clean any debris that's on the side of the track that's on their property i would hope so yeah definitely yeah or maybe give people a discount if they uh, chip in and clean up because <laughs> it's not going to yeah, be exactly. cheap <laughs> i'm exactly. guessing yeah i also like think that this is going to be i'm assuming this is going to be pretty close to the um like the west side trail and then over the, in the cutoff from people that are coming off the peak along the Appalachian Trail, like I think that like those those AT through hikers are going to be mooning people like right outside the window of this thing. Oh hell yeah, yeah, that's tradition. Yeah, yeah. that'll almost become a draw, I'm sure, an attraction. <laughs> Come see the. Uh... I don't know. <laughs> I would definitely warn people that like you know, if they're going to start doing that stuff too close to this development, they better be able to run pretty quickly because it's <laughs> eventually like someone's going to do enforcement deal and someone's going to get arrested for mooning tourists on the on the, <laughs> the slopes of Mount Washington. I so. didn't think of that, but that's interesting. Yeah. Actually, here's another thought too. I don't know how long into the season they'll be running this thing, but those sleeper cars could act as a mode of shelter for rescues if anybody was in a pinch. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly could. Yep. I'm sure they don't want to advertise that, but there'll be um, 18 new coaches that will be up there. I don't know exactly what the, you know, if there's going to be rules for like if bad weather's coming in that they have, uh, they'll have to lock them down or if they're going to leave them or bring them down to the lower section 
halfway through the winter. See, I, I don't know exactly what all those logistics will be yet. They said it's going to take five years to build this project. So we're talking like 2027, 2028 by the time this is up and running. Hmm. By then, uh, diesel should be about $30 a gallon, I would think. I would think so. I would think so. But um, last thing about this is a couple of tidbits. So the, the Presby, Wayne Presby, who's the president, um, he had said that uh, during peak days, there can be up to 5,000 people on the summit. Um, and then they are naming this Lizzie's, what do they call it? Lizzie's Station. Station. Yeah. After... Um, after Lizzie, where was it Borden? Here? Lizzie Bourne. Bourne. No, not Lizzie Bourne. Oh, Lizzie Bourne, who was the first woman um, known to die on Mount That's Washington right. back in 1855. So I'll do a little history segment on her probably next week or the week after. Yeah, her, about her, her gravesite is right below the summit on yeah, that yeah. portion leading down to where they want to build. So that's actually appropriate, I suppose. Yeah. Lizzie so, Borden, so. isn't that the uh, story from Haverhill, Mass.? I believe that that story she comes the one out from, Is she the one that got abducted by Native Americans and then oh, yeah. um, axed them all to death? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Yep. Sorry, little faux pas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway, breaking news on the COG. So more to come there. We'll keep people updated. Stomp, I have breaking news on my hiking situation. My daughter last week was mad at me over... Laundry. Laundry. She did laundry <laughs> last night. She's now mad at me over trail names. Oh, man. How old is your daughter? She's 19. Huh. I guess that makes sense. Wait till she's, she's 23. Because, well, yeah, I'm sure she'll, <laughs> believe me, she'll have plenty of things to stay mad at me about, but she's mad because we've hiked like half, she's at like 24 on the list, I think. Okay. And, you know, we've done a bunch of other hikes. Like we've done different 4,000 footers repeatedly as well as a bunch. Of, I think she's got like probably 15 of the 52 of the views done as well. All right. So, so what's um, happening? In all, yeah. So she's, she's an experienced hiker. She yes. does not have a trail name. Okay. Which is normally not a problem because a day hiker, it doesn't matter. But the problem is, is that I took my nephew hiking. First time I'd taken him hiking, um, J, my nephew JT, and then I took... I went hiking with with my daughter and her boyfriend this weekend, and both my nephew JT and her boyfriend Devin came back from the hikes with trail names that I gave them. <laughs> and now my daughter is mad because I've never given her a trail name, and I was like, "No trail name has come to me over because of you." So sure, it has to be really natural and spontaneous. Yeah, well, I'm like um, nothing's nothing's ever come. And then she's asking me if I have a trail name, and I was like, I don't really. I said I think Jimmy Chaga tried to give me one, but that's about it. Yeah, I think it was um, the last was Micro Spike, but I think that's fluid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm just gonna be Mike unless I do a through hike. But do you want to hear the trail names I gave him? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so JT, he I took him up self moat, so we'll talk about that later. But he. <laughs> so he's going through his long hair stage. So me and you can't relate to this. So he's going through a long hair stage. So he's yeah. got hair down to his shoulders. So he's, I think he's 15. So he, they're from Rhode Island. He always makes fun of me over the podcast too. Okay. It'll be, you know, the, the whole family, they'll be like, oh, my father-in-law's house up in Maine. So they're always trying to imitate <laughs> me. But 
he was complaining because he was saying that he was getting bullied because he has long hair and people are calling him like South American and whatever. And I was like, you don't look South American. You look Hawaiian. So everyone was laughing because they were like, oh, JT's Hawaiian, whatever. He's Italian. Mm hmm. So then we were laughing about that. Then the next morning we went out for the hike and I took him to like the gas station. I was like, get a thing of Gatorade. And um, so you have it because it's going to be hot. So I grabbed two things of Gatorade, like a, uh, the yellow Gatorade. And then he was like, he took a red Gatorade. So I was like, oh, you're taking the fruit punch. I was like, I don't really like that, but you can take it. Mm -hmm. So then he was asking me on the hike. He's like, well, what's the deal with Stomp? Is that his real name? And I had to explain like your background and stuff in the DJing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, what's a trail name? And I was explaining to him about trail names and through hiking and all this stuff. And I don't know what happened. I was like, yeah, like your trail name is going to be. And I was like, people just have to make it spontaneously. And I was like, your trail name is going to be Hawaiian Punch. <laughs> and he's like, why is it Hawaiian? Because I was like, you're Hawaiian. And then you took the fruit punch as the drink. There you so go. that's his. Yeah. So JT is now Hawaiian Punch. And then Caroline's boyfriend is the camel because he drank like three liters of water in the first mile of our hike mm -hmm. and ran out of water. So we call him the camel. And I think you can have more than one and it's fluid as you age and change and mature and, and whatever. Because Stomp is not really a, a trail name as it is just the host name and associated yes. with my music. But Jimmy Chaga called me Costco because I used to you know carry so much stuff in my pack. You know, my <laughs> wife called calls me Koba. Uh, from the planet of the, of the apes, um, so it, 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 it varies and it changes person to person. So don't get hung up if you get stuck with a name you're not like super thrilled about. Exactly, exactly. And I feel like there are certain people that are just like really good about giving out trail names. Like it's not like a lot of people don't even think about it. Like Jimmy Chag is really good about like making sure that everybody has a trail name and he takes care of that. <laughs> right, and even Jimmy Chaga is a new trail name for Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, maybe I'll get a trail name someday, but not right now. Yeah. I don't mind Microspike. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that. <laughs> anyway, um, so I got, a, I got a note here. Stomp, you want to talk about drones? Well, it was prompted by the, uh, the video that you posted. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later, but um, I, got this, yeah. I got the impression that a lot of people are, are torn on the issue. Some people, even some people that we're close with are really pro use of drones, you know, in limited, respectful, sort of, you know, cautious ways. But in general, there's a, a lot of law prohibiting the use of drones. And I think it pisses a lot of people off. I personally am um, opposed to the use of drones because I just think it's annoying. It's just distracting. You're trying to be out there. It would be like somebody coming down the trail with a boom box, which I've seen over and over again. Um, I just think people have to be really uh, tactful with how they use these things because they are annoying. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And what Stomp's talking about is I... I, I I was on uh, South Baldface with a good crew, and we'll talk about that hike later. Yeah. But we were in the lower section below the South Peak having lunch, and I, like, look over my um, my daughter's boyfriend's shoulder, and I see this, like, this, like, bolt of something coming down the South Peak going, like, 50 miles an hour, and it was a, it was a guy um, riding a mountain bike. 
mm-hmm. down the bald face peak and behind him I heard a buzzing so he had like a, a drone and he must have had a program to follow him yeah. and this guy like ripped through he came down the peak from South bald face ripped past us and then went straight down the ledges and um, had a drone following him the whole time. So we posted a little bit of a video on it. I was like, mm-hmm. I was pretty shocked that, I, first of all, I was like, I can't believe there's a bike up here. Second of all, I was like, I'm pretty sure that the the drone is illegal. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure the bike's illegal too. But I got it all on video, like a good soldier for the audience. So they can judge. But I definitely pulled up the rules on the drones. And yeah. you cannot use a drone in... Uh, on, in the bald face circle, it's above tree line and it's a forest protected area, so it is illegal to um, to operate a drone. And then I can't find any specific rules about mountain bikes, but I think yeah. it's illegal to be up there on a mountain bike too. Although I did see on social media, like there's a lot of people that have been up there on mountain bikes that I, I had no idea. I've never seen a mountain bike in all my years of hiking up above tree line like that. Yeah, because that ties into the whole culture of like the Inca race and the mega avalanche. I mean, mountain biking is coming back in a huge way. And they're like something like Welsh Dickey is nothing compared to this new generation of mountain bikers. Um, you know, so that's say la vie. It's just the way, the way it goes, you know, it's like, what do they do? They must have to carry the bike up, right? Like how no, do they get man, it up there? They are, they are shredding up, up a lot of that terrain and shredding down. I mean, some of the, like the lemon squeezes and things like that, there are some unpassable things, but for the most part, these dudes are ripping it up and down a lot of these trails. So when we came back down South Baldface, I'll tell the story later around why we turned, we didn't do the full loop. We went over, we took the, like the, um, the cut over to slippery brook trail. Yeah. And we took that, like, there's a little sub peak you get to before you get down into the valley between into the coal to get back up to Eastman. And, um, that section to get from that little, um, unnamed peak mm-hmm. down to the coal to get to slippery brook trail is like insanely steep. Oh yeah. And the guy went, the guy went down on his bike like that. So I, but uh, at what point can they the brakes must be insane on those bikes oh sure yeah yeah they're they're um disc brake systems i believe now but um oh yeah if you if you do some simple researching on youtube you'll see how skilled these people are that are pulling these things off a lot of this terrain is um actually pretty gentle compared to some of the stuff that some of the pro riders are hitting now and it's awesome Pretty cool. But yeah, well, going back to the we, drone thing for a second, um, yeah. I mean, you, you better do your research because the, the rules are pretty tight. And I mean, you're talking about a 5000 to $10,000 fine uh, for an organization, uh, 5000 for an individual and or imprisonment. Really? So you can't mess around up here with the feds. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and I think you have to have it registered and they can probably like identify when you're flying in regions that you're not supposed to. So, mm. but it's crazy. Like I, this guy was by himself and he must've, he must've had a drone that just is like programmed to just follow him. Yeah. I saw that. It was like 20, 30 feet up and behind him too. Oh, well, like 50 feet up, up and, and, and behind Very him. Interesting. And it was very loud too and annoying like we didn't know i didn't realize it was a drone until it was right over our head it must like um i wonder how it tracks you know maybe there's something in in the dude's pack that it's tracking but you'd have to stop when you hit tree line i I would think i don't know like when you get to that like that sub peak below um self bald face he just went right to the ledges and didn't stop 
Yeah. So I don't know. He must have, but he must have stopped because then he came back up because we saw him on the other sub peak heading down to Eastman. So when we, we summited, he came back up. Yeah. And then was back over into another area. So he was riding all around. So That's neat. And we do not condone mountain biking in areas you're not supposed to mountain bike in. But, no. you know, I, I'm just reporting what I saw when I was on trail. Yeah. I'm just still hung up on the drone. It's like um, there is one other feature that the drones have now where like the Mavic DJ Pro can actually self-avoid obstacles. So I could see it being able to go below tree line and actually keep on following the technology is getting really advanced. Yeah. Now, Pretty would cool. you have like chased that guy down and like tried to be the trail police and said like, "You can't be up here. You're under arrest for a drone." <laughs> no, no, hell no, no, no. It's none of my business. Just stay in my lane. Yeah, people can do what they do, but I think people have to be aware of others and and you know respectful of, of others when they're out there in the woods like come on one of our final places we can go for quiet and peace and majestic views and you know it's pretty simple to me yeah that was my view too was i i'm in general like i don't i'm not confronting anybody i don't want to get into a a beef with someone you know especially you don't know like what their temperament is so oh tr- yeah true absolutely so anyway so that's uh drone and bikes mm-hmm. in, the, in the whites um, so, Stomp, you have a video here that we wanted to look at. So there's a, a dramatic avalanche video that um, is out of Kyrgyzstan, yeah. which this thing's insane. And it's kind of weird. It, like, it's the, there's no snow on the mountain until the avalanche hits. So it's like a group of 10 hikers. Did you? It looks like a Serac or something that must have broken from the top yeah. of this peak and just let go. I saw the video. I think everybody's seen it by now. But um, what's interesting about the video is it, it stops the second the snow hits the guy. And apparently he survived. Um, we'll post the video so you can watch it and judge for yourself. But boy, you can hear this guy pretty panicked. And um, this article here that we'll provide you goes into detailing and provide you some quotes from the person. And um, it's interesting. Um He's watching it come down, and he basically says, yeah, I left it to the last second to move, and yes, I know it would have been safer moving to the shelter straight away. I'm very aware that I took a big risk. I felt in control, but regardless, when the snow started coming over and it got dark, harder to breathe, I was bricking it and thought I might die. So it's a pretty intense story. It's worth checking out. I think it gives you a little like first-person point of view of what it might be like to get stuck in god forbid an avalanche yeah i hopefully i'll never have to i'll never have to deal with that yeah interesting stuff so yeah that's that story all right well we've got more beer issues uh this is in glacier bay national park so (laughs) i had um well this is in alaska i think yeah i'm not sure aggressive glacier bay yeah, yeah. I think this may be the same area where I posted it. We talked about this, but there was a video of like a, a grizzly bear that had stalked a moose and two moose calves. Mm-hmm. And finally, like over the course of like two days, it waited out. And finally, the moose mother was so exhausted she couldn't protect her her calf. And um, it, it finally took it. Mm-hmm. But um, this is more shenanigans. So over the course of a couple of days, there's been two separate encounters between humans and a brown bear. Yeah. So brown bears are basically the same thing as grizzly bears, I guess. I guess there's a little bit of a difference in the face profile. But, yes, um, and the shoulder structure. 
Yeah, exactly. And they're saying, like, basically, they, they, they're saying that the, the, the beers are attracted to any kind of smell, so they just remind people, like, toothpaste, shampoo, lotion, soap, cooking utensils, anything that you have on you that smells will attract them. So this was on July 9th. A group of six hikers were charged at by a brown bear. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. This is serious. I mean, they had to get into their yeah. kayaks while the uh, the bear came into camp and just ripped their gear apart and took all their food. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So they were able to, I guess this first group was able to deter them by using beer spray and yelling. Uh, but the, the next day, there were two campers that... Um, weren't so lucky Mm -hmm. like you said they had to get into their kayaks and get the hell out of there so pretty crazy it's a good it's a good story though because we've talked about it before just different ways and different i guess theoretical methods of protecting yourself from a bear so it's important to look at and understand you know making yourself look large talking to the bear not running that type of thing uh very important bear spray sure Yeah, I matter of fact, I went on Amazon to buy beer spray because I was like, I should have some just in case. Yeah. I was like, if I'm so lucky, you can't get it in Massachusetts on Amazon. Oh, yeah, that's right. They have some law against that, don't they? I guess. So I probably have to go up to like somewhere in New Hampshire, like maybe Kittery Trading Post, I think, would have some too. Sure. Or maybe uh, Lahoots up in uh, Lincoln. I think they might mm-hmm. have some. I have some as well, which I don't use. So you're free yeah, to have we know, it. We know. Yeah. <laughs> we know all about your self, self-spraying. Right. I thought it was supposed to be like bug spray. <laughs> but <Yeah>. no. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next thing you have here for a show opener, and again, this is going to be a long one here. We don't have any guests, so we'll just, we'll just roll with this. But uh, Forest Rangers in... The Adirondacks in the last few days have rescued hikers below Mount Marcy, um, cited counselors for alleged alcohol consumption, and retrieved a waterlogged ATV driven into a lake. I know. So, <laughs> group of hikers have gotten in trouble um, in the High Peaks region, so they had to do a search and rescue on them. I guess it's 2 a.m. on July 6th, they were called for a search for a group of campers that hadn't returned from a hike to Mount Marcy, so which that's the state's highest. Yeah, 5,343 feet. Yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah, and it was a 21 and a 19-year-old group leader were with a 15-year-old, two 13-year-olds, and a 12-year-old. Like, what is this group? Anyway, despite rain in the forecast and the group generally lacking hiking experience, their plan was to hike Marcy and Algonquin Peak in one day. Yeah. So they had a beacon device to stay in touch with people back at their camp. They reached the summit at 4.30. Coming down, they got lost and ended up in Lake Colden in waist-deep water. Mm-hmm. So they sent an SOS signal at 12.15. And a backcountry caretaker in Lake Colden reached the campers at 4 a.m. And two other rangers got there shortly after. Hikers didn't have enough food. Yeah. Um, so they were given food clothes yeah. in bed. Yeah. And just to summarize the rest, I mean, the just, you know, this belongs in the later section that we do for search and rescue, but it was interesting because these guys are so busy. It, of course, it was 4th of July weekend, so they, they were giving like 24 tickets out to underage drinkers and uh, people camping above Treeline and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was just crazy. So, again, Search and rescue is not this uh, local to New Hampshire phenomenon. It's worldwide, and it's twenty four seven. 
But the uh, yeah, the ATV I, submerged in the river. That's that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. You got to wonder like where they drinking and they got the hell out of there before they could, um, <laughs> right. they could get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, so, probably. Yeah, and then the group of they ticketed a group of people that were drinking off of this trail. And it turned out they were a bunch of off-duty camp counselors. So a little bit of meatballs going on there. <laughs> Jeez. People are crazy. But not as crazy as the next story because somebody broke the record for pushing a peanut up a mountain with a spoon taped to his nose. So I thought listeners should be aware. The record is uh, set. So if anybody's planning on trying to beat the record, then uh, good luck. <laughs> And where was the stomp? Uh, it's a Colorado man, and the mountain, I, I, it's a video, so, so I don't Peak. quite remember. Pike's Peak is. Was it Pike's? Yeah, okay. Pike's Peak. Can you? It so, took him like five days or something crazy like that to push this peanut up to the top. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. It looks it? like he's using like some kind of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'm dumb. Put that in the drop. It, he has some kind of an elephant nose going on. Yeah. What is this? I, it's, uh, I don't know. It's some strange like post-apocalyptic dystopian activity. I don't know. It's very odd. It's a CPAP mask and he put a little shovel on the end of it so that he can like lift the peanut up. I mean, if I saw this guy, I would be calling 911 and telling the police to put, put this guy in a psych hold. Yeah, 5150. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my so, God. So, anyway. If you were going to do some weird, like, thing to make the news going up Mount Washington, what would you do, Stomp? To make the news going up Mount Washington, huh? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do something unique. Oh, wow. That is interesting. I'm sure people have done it backwards. Um, I'm sure like Mason's probably done it on a unicycle. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any ideas? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'll have to think about that, too. If, if any listeners have a good idea of a way where you can draw a lot of attention to yourself going up Mount Washington that hasn't been done before. Let us know. Yeah, people have done the cats. They've done goats. They've done logs. Um, I'm still working on getting a goat out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had an answer for you. Yeah, that guy Larry the Log, by the way, he finished the Katahdin. He made it to Katahdin. Larry the Log guy. So he was pure AT, right? The full distance? He did the full AT. I guess he was um, raising money for veterans as well. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, Larry the Log made it made it the <laughs> whole way. The log. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of crazy, what, you want to give us an update on what's going on with the Skyline FKT attempt? Yeah. This is um, this is probably the first time we've talked about it. I'll I'll keep it brief because it's uh, developing at the moment. But um, at the moment. Um, August 27th, beginning at 6 a.m. at the Tecumseh Trailhead, which is the uh, ski side of Tecumseh, um, Larson and Travis are going to be establishing or attempting to establish the first fastest known time for Waterville's Skyline Loop, which is that massive 34-mile uh, loop, um, which covers the Osceola's, Tecumseh, um, Tri-Pyramids, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, stay posted. Um, EMS is on board. Uh, Waterville's on board. So we're developing um, a nice little event here. And it's more or less just to promote the skyline and to, you know, just 
I, I was surprised that the Skyline did not have a fastest known time. So it'll be a first for the uh, loop. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, that is. Um, so are you going to um, put this in as a um, as a route on the fastest known times website? Um, I'm sure Larson or uh, his mate Travis will um, after the fact, okay. but it does not even exist on that website at the moment. So there are no GPX tracks for it. So it's yeah, it's fair game. Um, so it's very exciting, and and I gotta say, um, EMS. EMS is like just so phenomenal. They they sent a giant box over, and they supplied um, a whole bunch of equipment, including you know shoes, shirts, bandanas, hats, everything for uh, these guys to do this. You know they they recognize the talent there, and um, they recognize um, how cool this event is. You know, so again, thank you very much, EMS, and uh, it's very nice to work with our neighbors down the street too, Waterville. I know they've been trying to get this loop on the map, and uh, hopefully this will give them some notoriety. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. So you've got 15 trails, nine peaks, five 4,000-footers over a 34-mile scenic loop around Waterville Valley. So it's essentially like another... It could be like a Prezi Traverse. It can be like a Pemi Loop, a Kilkenny Ridge Traverse. But it's a a loop. And... It seems like it makes a ton of sense that this would be something that, like, if you're doing 4,000 footers, doing this loop, if you want to challenge yourself, if you're one of those crazy lunatics doing, like, a, you know, like a um, a one-day hike, this is seems like another one of those, like, Zeeland Bond Traverses, Pemi Loop, Presidential Traverse. It just, it fits in pretty well. So, I'll be curious to see how it goes. But, Stomp, you're becoming, like, the... Dr. Frankenstein of these like crazy roots and then you got Larson and Mason and Travis helping you out to do them. It's sort of funny. I I mean, honestly, I I didn't intend to sort of go this direction, but um, I don't know. After this, I think I'll sort of pull back away from that because I don't want to be known for this guy that's like all about these roots and stuff like that. I just think it's been fun, you know, sort of promoting people that deserve some notoriety and like like it's been great working with steve and gwen and everybody it's just been such a cool community event and uh to establish a few things is neat but uh yeah it's just sort of like a side distraction i guess (laughs) oh man yeah and trust me i'm sure somebody will break this record like in no time (laughs) it's neat to see the uh the, the ultra running or i have to back up here it's called power hiking so larson's very adamant it's power hiking so got it yes so it's neat to see this developing and uh, really you know taking roots around here yeah can i i didn't tell you this but i ran into christina folsick the owner of white mountain endurance racing uh we were awesome. probably about half mile up trail yeah uh, going up uh, the bald face loop and she came running by with like two other people um, I don't know if the other guy was Rem. I think it might have been. I'm guessing it might have been, but I, I can't, I'm not sure. But Good possibility. My, so we sort of just said, hi, how you doing? And then my sister-in-law, Marissa, who is an ultra runner, she was like, I think that's Christina. And I was like, oh, so then I yelled out, to her and uh, we would we were chatting for a little bit which was good so yeah uh, christina and rem in my brief meeting with them uh, at the chakora race just are the coolest people just bright supernovas of people i mean they're just the best so i'm, I'm looking forward to working with them in the future and um good for them 
They're yeah, always she said she was scheming. Was that? Yeah, she she said she was scheming to get you to DJ some other event. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think next year I'll be doing a couple. So that's pretty exciting. And get your requests in now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so next thing up here on our opener list here is that there's a new fastest known time on the Long Trail in Vermont. Um, this in Vermont, yeah. Yep. So this is um, Liz um, Durstein. Okay. So she goes by Pink Feathers. So she, <laughs> I think she already held the. Um, fastest known time on the Pinhoti Trail and then I think she tried on the Long Trail a couple of times and, and had to um, bail out. I think she did two attempts to do the, the Long Trail FKT and then this is her third time around so yeah. she was able to break the FKT for a um, self-supported hike which self-supported means that you are utilizing any sort of support that anybody else has access to. So I think you can cash stuff on or near the trail. You can buy stuff if you go into town. Hmm. Um, but that's basically what it means is there's nobody like carrying your stuff or cheering you on. You're completely alone. Yeah. And um, you just need to basically figure out how to get all your supplies on trail like any other through hiker would yep. would do. So she she completed the self-support in a record time of six days, eight hours and 12 minutes. She said it's pending verification. So she's got to put it in for um, for approval, which is, you know, that's a process. But yeah. this will be her third long trail record attempt. And it sounds to me like she went into the other two really focused on like I got to hit certain milestones and I've got a plan and it seems like this one here she went into it sort of like it's gonna whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen and it worked out first so I think the mental mindset was there and she's nice she gave a good shout out to all the other I think female FKT runners that had gone before her, which is great. And then I think she's somehow associated with Carl, Carl Metzler, Metzer, who was um, a pretty well-known ultra runner. So hmm. good, good for her. Yeah. I don't think we talk about Vermont enough. I'm pretty, pretty ignorant about the uh, trails over there in the mountains and whatnot. That might be a nice episode, sort of a deep dive. I know. I know. I definitely want to get out there more. It's just, it's so difficult as a day hiker to, you know, you've got limited time mm -hmm. and it's just, it's, it's tough to commit. But my kids are getting close to being, you know, we're getting, me and my wife are getting close to being empty nesters again. So I, I definitely will have more free time. Yeah. Sounds good. So congratulations to uh, Liz for breaking the FKT. So stomp sponsors and coffee talk. What do you got? All right, so let's see. We have some donations this week. Brenda Roby donated. Um, Cindy Hessian donated. And Cindy is uh, associated with the Alzheimer's Association. And yeah, she was on the show. Hello, Cindy. Yeah, hello. Thank you so much for the donation. I think that was just like a post. Thank you for all the support that we've sent their way. Um, Alan donated as well, saying thanks for the stickers. Kevin Zona donated. Uh, Jennifer Rooks um, actually donated a hundred to the New Hampshire Outdoor Council, and I'll just read this briefly because it's really nice. Hey, Mike and Stomp, I've been 
behind on my coffee donations. She's like a frequent donator, which is super cool. <laughs> so I decided to make a donation to New Hampshire Outdoor Council for Slasher instead. You guys help keep me connected to the whites when I am stuck down here in Maryland dreaming I was back in New Hampshire. Keep up the <laughs> awesome work. The podcast has really come a long way from that stupid podcast Mike was convinced only five people were listening to. It wouldn't last more than a few episodes. The guests are great. I love the banter and have found a few more spots to explore and or add to my list to explore thanks to this podcast. All the best, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. Yeah, that's super cool. Uh, It's great. And then Shandy uh, donated as well. This came in today. And um, she wants to have a female co-host on at some point. Or maybe permanently. So I'm thinking that she wants to boot one of us and take over or something. So I don't know. Maybe Shandy can explain herself. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, so I talked to my, my daughter was just mentioning this because she thought, and she was like, I'm here. So she, I was like, okay, oh, maybe you can be, be a co host someday. So, um, but we'll see. You know, uh, Rebecca did mention she's like, I'm in if we need it. So we always know, you know, we've yeah. got a little network of folks that we can, we can help out. But we try to, I mean, we've had a lot of guests on, female guests. We try to get a big perspective in, in people's, um, you know, different backgrounds and whatnot. So yeah. um, you know, we'll see. And for sponsors, um, I'd like to thank EMS. I already gave them a huge plug, but uh, they're your Northeast go-to for outdoor gear, guidance, education, and more since 1967. Check them out at EMS.com and, of course, at Reckless Brewing up in Bethlehem, where you'll find the best food, craft, beer, and fun. Just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many of the 4K footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. And uh, we have a lot of news coming out of... uh, reckless soon so there we go awesome awesome one other thing i want to give a um a thank you to um ian kenny he had you know he's been on the show previously um with ken Vossi. so he had he was kind enough to send me a copy of forest and crag a history of hiking uh, trailblazing and adventure in the Northeast Mountains, and uh, this is the book that was written by uh, Laura and Guy Waterman. Okay, so we talked about Guy Waterman, I think, on the first episode. So um, this thing is an absolute beast of a book. So I'm, I've started to plug through it already. So I yeah. think that I'll be likely generating some new ideas for history subjects. I've been using the the name and place guidebook sure. as a lot of my ideas for history, but I'll start using the Forest and Crag book because I think the thing I like about it is it's got a lot of the history on the early expeditions that that went through. So I think I can I can probably pull some stuff out of that. But thanks thanks so much, Ian. That was really cool of you and uh, we gotta get together and do some hiking soon. Awesome. All right. Hey, that wasn't too bad. About 40 minutes for an opener. Nice work. (laughs) Yeah, not bad, not bad. So uh, we'll get to the show summary, and I'll apologize ahead of time. It's not going to be that exciting, folks, but we'll we'll do our best. So welcome to Episode 67 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This week, we are playing catch-up on some recent hikes that we've done in and around the White Mountains. So we're going to take you to Evans Notch. We're going to take you to the Moat Mountain Range. We're going to talk about Western Maine, talk about Welch Dickey a little bit, and, um, you know, so we'll... We'll discuss these mountains, trails, and areas that we've been exploring this summer to date. And then later in the show, we'll catch up on some recent search and rescue news. Uh, So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. All right, Stomp. Are you drinking anything good tonight? Yeah, just the old go-to little lemonade and Tito's. I've been on an IPA kick, by the way. 
we never talked about this, but I, I went to a wedding this weekend and I got IPA'd out. So I'm uh, avoiding IPA for the foreseeable future. <laughs> and by the way, congrats to Chris and Nick uh, on their wedding. Um, it was just a nice time. So epic. It's good to see people uh, tying the knot and, you know, it was just awesome. Yeah, congratulations, Nick, and, and uh, good luck to, to both of you on your uh, your new journey. Yeah, absolutely. Good family. Just saw a lot of uh, a lot of the old hiking shenanigans crew. Yeah, saw a whole bunch, and uh, you know we did a little bushwhacking and um, camping. I'm this this place was called oh my goodness Meadowbrook, I think it is. It's up in Warren, and um, it's just this this campground slash RV, ATV, off-roading site, and uh, it's really a nice place. They do live music on weekends. They, you know, they have a uh, a three-day concert coming up shortly. So I'd, I'd recommend people check it out. It's very cool. But yeah, it uh, looked like an awesome place for a wedding. Oh, phenomenal! Yeah, the, the the cliff behind where they were married is about maybe a hundred feet high, and it's it's an onion. It peels and it. it Exfoliate, so you really can't climb it per se. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a beautiful thing to look at. And um, my truck got damaged. <laughs> How to get damaged? Did I tell you this. Oh my goodness, this is great. So it, it was getting late in the night, and we got it in our heads that we couldn't actually access the uh, off-roading roads. So, it, but which was inaccurate. Apparently, we had access to them. So um, I think it was about seven ish, seven thirty or so. Casey. And I, uh, Casey is a, a long time hiking buddy, you know, the Lowell shoot and all that stuff. We saw the, the owner of the place get in his little ATV and drive down to the management office. And we, he and I looked at each other and said, let's go. <laughs> so we just hopped in my truck and, um, did some of the easier roads and it became dark and we're blasting dance music and it was just crazy. It was so much fun, but we get out and the music was so loud that I didn't know that some big boulder ripped off one of my hoop steps on the right side of the truck. So the thing was shredded, just ripped right off. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was worth it. It's, it's totally fixable, but um, I can't get over what these, you know, my truck, sure, but what cars and, and, off-road vehicles can do in these conditions it's amazing like there was nothing my truck couldn't handle in there so now i've got the bug i want to go off-roading oh man you gotta protect your vehicle though no i know i do but i mean i i I felt like i drew a fine line between destroying my truck and actually having a really great time i lost my hoop but that's no big deal um i think if i had a winch we could have done a lot more it was just so. <laughs> just do you look. Do yourself a favor. Buy yourself a nice thousand dollar dirt bike up. and get it out of your system. Oh yeah, I mean, save yourself a lot of money. Somebody told me today, like you should pick up some cheap Jeep and just beat the hell out of it. Like, yeah, that's a great yeah, idea. But good luck finding one. You know. Oh, I know. That's what I keep thinking is something like yeah, it. Yeah. But it's just hard to find one. Oh yeah. But anyway, so um, what are we talking about? We're talking about drinks. How yeah, do we get into what are you this? drinking? I'm drinking, so this this show is like cleaning out our like yeah. our extra file. So I figured I would clean out my refrigerator. So I'm drinking a Corona Extra. <laughs> oh, so I'm a little extra. Matter of fact, and one of the things I like about these Corona Extras. So this is a trail hack, and I'll actually post a picture of it. So you know that that like hack that I use with the with the three liter um, water bladder. Yeah, and then I put yep. I put ice in the bladder, and then I slip 
a beer inside the bladder so that the beer stays cold. So when you get up on the peak, absolutely. Th- these Corona extras are actually perfect because they're a 12 ounce bottle, but they're tall and skinny. They're taller and skinnier than the normal bottle. So it actually fits in because those, those bladders have like a separator in the middle. Okay. So sometimes it can be difficult to get the ice down there and then slide the beer in if it's like a full 16-ounce tall IPA. (laughs) So these Corona Extras are actually skinny, and they fit in the bladder really perfect, so the ice can kind of be around it. So it worked out perfect for my my ice refrigerator. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of... uh alcohol to go here it's like um back to back to the wedding for one second because this is very cool yeah. i posted a picture of it or a video one of the uh the guests showed up with a two-stroke lawnmower engine that was flipped upside down and a blender jar stuck on top of it to make you know margaritas and mixed drinks and this and that i couldn't believe it they're very popular apparently but it was so I don't know, so backwoodsy. Like, I couldn't get over it. I was laughing my head off. Like, that's such a New Hampshire play. So it's a, it's a, so it's a lawnmower engine connected to a blender. Correct. It must be able to blend stuff like so quickly. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like legit. So it's, it's basically an up down, upside down motor. So you've got the blade up top and you know, know, it Mm -hmm. spins the, uh, the blades in the blender and uh, boy, was it powerful. But uh, that guy, that guy was like the hit of the wedding. I think there was a crowd. Now, was he a truck. friend or was he like, was he brought there to do the drinks? He was an acquaintance of Casey. And I don't know if there was a connection with the uh, bride and groom, but uh, wonderful people. It was a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah. That's good times. Cool. Yeah. Um, we have some notable hikes, but uh, do you want to do your hikes now? Or are you thinking about a segment for this? I was going to, let's do a segment on the uh, the hikes because I've got like five of them to go through. So why don't we do the notable hikes first? Okay. Yeah. The notables are lengthy. We apologize. You get a big list. Yeah. It's yeah. been a while. And, um, you know, moving forward, I think um, we're going to have to say no guarantees that you're going to make the list, but we do appreciate the plug and we'll try to plug you if we can. But um, if you tag us, um, you'll be considered for the hike of the week, and this is this is a good list here. So, Steve Summit. So, Stomp. Just before you start doing this, like yeah. this is a this is a lesson for you because I said that this was going to happen is that we were going to get flooded with tags and that you weren't going to be able to keep up. So, it has come to pass. It's true. It's absolutely <laughs> true. But the the flip side of that is, I think it's spreading the the name of the podcast out there quite a bit like <laughs> i guess i guess i'd rather keep it small and give people attention and love if they're tagging us but anyway <laughs> we'll, uh, so i'm gonna just i'm gonna veto stomp we're gonna get if you if you tag us you're getting on the show that's it period oh yeah 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 we'll veto that we'll we'll pick the uh, the best correct yeah 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 all right continue but, we'll see we'll see what happens next week i might be in a foul mood <laughs> But for today, we'll grandfather everybody in. So we have Steve Summits, did Goose Eye, Mike Denley, Sugarloafs and Percy, Jake and Julie did the Badlands. And hey, this Wait, what, what is that? What is that? The I don't Badlands? Know that. That's what is that? That's out west. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Right. So not in New, New Hampshire. No, okay. Oh, no, wow. but they tagged us anyway. So which is all right. So slow down for a second. So Goose Eye is an amazing hike. Absolutely, it's amazing one of my hike. Favorites. And then. 
And then who did somebody did Sugarloaf's and Percy Percy Peaks and Sugarloaf? They did that in one day. Yes. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, Denley. that's tough. It sure okay, is. Okay. Yeah, that's. Yeah, and if you're doing so, if you're doing the fifty-two with the view peaks, and you're you know you're like Massachusetts or something like that, it is kind of like if you've only got a certain amount of time, like it's definitely um, pretty likely that you're going to want to do Sugarloaf and then the per- Percy Peaks on the same day. But what I would suggest you do is do Sugarloaf first, and then um, finish up with Percy Peaks because that's just an amazing hike. Absolutely. And if you can stay at Percy, that's even better. There's a sh- nice oh, shelter there. That's true, too. Yeah, there is. Um, so this is important to mention. Nobby Hikes did a back-to-back Tecumseh and Wildcats. And for for you, Mike, we have to get ready because he's getting really close to the finish of his 48. So we have to keep oh, on boy. top of that. And I've told I've told Nobby, let us know. He's been texting me, but you know, we just have not been able to connect recently. But uh, he's almost done. I think he's maybe has four left at this point. Uh, Does he know where he's finishing? Oh, he sent me. Some, I, I I don't recall. I think he has a few left. Um, I'm not going to say anything. I, I honestly forget. Yeah. He has some. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at my messages. Okay. Yeah, and he, so we're talking about Mark Lindeberg, Nobby Hikes, our friend. So yeah. he had actually messaged me, Stomp, and was asking me where I was going. I told him I was doing the bald faces, and he was like a man on a mission. He had to get those four thousand footers done. So hopefully, we'll we'll connect with him soon. Yeah. Uh, let's see, James Phoenix, Huntington's Ravine, Ten Defender. Uh, maybe that means Tennessee Defender. I don't know. Happy Fourth of July from Decorated Nauman Tent Site. Do you know what that is? N a u m a n n or m a n? I forget. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> maybe uh, up in Maine. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! That's the tent site right below. Um, Knife's Edge. That's the tent site right below Mizpah Hut. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know how there's those platforms right near Mizpah Hut? Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's it. Okay. I've never been there. Um, Healy 76. Three people finished the 48 on this one particular hike, and one of them finished their second round. So that's pretty freaking amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Chelsea Tierney finished the 48 on the Osceolas. Congratulations, Chelsea. Congrats. Um, Oh, goodness. Jeneth Sakamas <laughs> finished a Bond Traverse. Congratulations, G. Uh, Audrey Kelkinson finished the 48 and got slasher stickers on the same day. Oh, that, win-win. That must have been ecstatic. Next day, so, Stomp, can yeah. I just break in for a sure. second? Audience, please through. do me a favor. When, you put, when you're putting in these... these um, notable hikes somebody make up like an inappropriate name but try to slip it past stomp so he doesn't realize you know like you know see more butts or i want a man or whatever like but do do something like that because i guarantee you stomp's not going to catch on <laughs> probably not <laughs> that's funny uh let's see nick sidla did mount israel and here's Reckless Steven coming in. He spent three nights up in Baxter, and he bagged the knife's edge. Very cool. Awesome. We're almost done. Steve Summits did the Kinsman's Cannon and Cannonballs. That's a, that's a hell of a day. 
Yeah, let's see. Mike Denley back again. He did the Fool Killer Scour and then North and Mid Try. Jennifer Lee Mountain did 46 Hikes for Suicide Awareness. I was not aware of this organization. So we'll have to do a little research on that. Okay. Yeah. And what Donna Hamilton photographs uh, finished her 48 on Carrigan. Congratulations. Karen McVeigh Randolph did the ball faces Eagle Crag and meter in a sprint. Oh, can you believe it? And we're done with the notables. It's very good. Um, Mike is yawning. One thing, I'm not yawning. I'm like, I'm just trying to stay awake. It's been a long day here, but um, I'm talking too much. But one thing that I just want to give the audience a heads up on is the guy that did Huntington Ravine. I get a lot of questions about Huntington. I see there's a lot of sort of nervousness about that hike. I posted a video on our Facebook page of me talking to myself climbing Huntington for about 12 minutes so if yeah. you want to go there and see what the lower slabs are like there's still there's two or three more sections you got to get through that are like if you're if you're short it could be a little challenging but otherwise like the main scary part that everybody talks about I I've got it on video um, I posted it on our Facebook page and it's also on our YouTube channel if you want an instructional video about like how to climb Huntington Yes, and how to climb Huntington with only one arm and two legs because you're holding your cell phone, which is very impressive. I was holding my cell phone. Yeah, I was holding my cell phone the whole time. So it was a very dry day, so I didn't die. (laughs) All right, segment one. Segment one is uh, recent hike stomp. So do you want to go? You want to talk about Will Sticky? Oh, or do you want me no, to go? let's just skip it. I, I, the only thing of note was like a week ago, I just did the loop uh, from Dickey over to Welsh, but it was it was in the 40s, which is very unusual for the um, time, which was early July. So it was a beautiful day, though, and it just got me excited for the fall and the winter, and uh, you know the blueberries are out. So just a nice time, just trying to stay fit. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. We're going to get out more. The rescue's not happening for you, so just get out and hiking. Oh, why well, I disagree with that, but... <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not paying attention. But... <laughs> Slasher's Hiking Topic of the Week. I wanted to just like do a, a large segment on, like, I've done, like, I think five or six hikes over the last two or three weekends. So I figured I would just run through these and give my highlights of these these particular hikes. So the, there's a common a common theme here. They're in places that are not well traveled. So Evans Notch, Western Maine. Um, you know, I did the moats too. That gets a little bit of traffic, but not a lot of crowds. Uh, awesome views and um, challenging hikes. So, but they're all sort of like in that like five to eight mile range with maybe twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred feet of elevation gain. So nice. nothing too challenging, too crazy. Right, and Which crowd wise, maybe a little less attended. Yeah, n- not not crowded at all. So awesome. I'll start with the the first hike I did. This is going back like three weekends ago. So I wanted to get over to Evans Notch. So 
Um, one of the things I'm looking to do is to finish up the delisted peaks on the 52 with a view. So I had not been on West Royce, which is in Evans Notch. So I went and did East and West Royce. So this trailhead is located in Evans Notch. So it's off of Route 113. So you go up through Freiburg and then into Chatham, Maine. Mm -hmm. And then into Evans Notch, you go past the basin, and then um, the trailhead is actually past the Baldhead trailhead, and then um, it's off to the left. So there's got parking from maybe about 12 to 18 cars, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was the second car in the parking lot. There was a van there, and it was a group of like three people from like Bridgeton. I met them up top, and they had a dog with them, so they were super nice. Uh, but I was completely alone the whole hike until I got up to East Royce. But it's a pretty typical, it's a nice trail. It, it starts ascending right away mm-hmm. from the parking lot. It sort of felt like Mount Tremont where it's just like a Stairmaster to go right up to East Royce. And then East Royce is like a, it's a pretty much like a, it's just a bald summit that has views straight out into the bald heads. Yeah. And um, then you can also see West Royce right in front of you. But it's like got that view of like the the south, the south bald face ledges look right at you when you get up there. That's neat. And if anybody's seen those, those ledges are pretty steep. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. Um, Not a super challenging hike. No crowds. I was kind of getting the willies a little bit thinking like, okay. There's nobody out here. Um, If a bear comes and gets me, I'm solo. It's a little bit sketchy, but. (laughs) <laughs> just sort of, you know, I, I was fine. It just kind of got in my head a little bit in, in that hike, which was weird. But yeah. um, hmm. the hike over to West Royce is pretty good. You drop back down about 400 feet of elevation, and then um, it's pretty much a flat hike over to West Royce. And then you pick up maybe another 600 feet of elevation to get to the top of West Royce. The cool thing about the, the trip over from east to west is that you cross from... Maine into New Hampshire. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's a neat area. Which is kind of fun. So you can kind of see on the GPS to say like, oh, I'm walking across um, the state line. But I didn't really look to see if there was any markers or anything. I probably should have like put a little rock marker or something there, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything. I was looking around to see if there was any markers. Hmm. Okay. I need to get out there. For me, it's just such a hike. It's how, how far from your camp is it? It's thir- It was 35-minute okay. ride. gotcha. Maybe a 40-minute ride. But I, I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts on the way, so it was about an hour. But it's 40 minutes door-to-door from Brownfield to that trailhead uh, there. So, And it's a great ride. Like, you're going across, like, you know, there's all farmland, and um, it's just a great view. You can see uh, the Carter Wildcat range as you head up and then eventually you can just you go right across the bald face and there's like a farm there that's right right there that you can look to see like the whole bald face loop right in front of you mm-hmm. and then you get into evans notch and it's a climb into evans notch and then you get to the top of evans notch and then you start heading down and that's about a mile to uh the 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 royce trailhead from there gotcha which is good. But I was solo. Awesome views on East Royce. I would say that the views on East Royce are better than the views on West Royce because you've got that direct view out to the bald face circle. Um, So if you're going to have your lunch, I would say 
go up and time it so that if you want to have your, you know, if you if you want to eat early, then go to east first. If you want to eat late, go to west. Uh, but east is a little bit better than west. Uh, from there, you know, I dropped down, hiked over to West Royce, um, got there, and it's sort of it's overgrown at this point. So I think it used to be a lot of open ledges, and that's why they had it in the fifty-two with a view. But now it's sort of like you got to bust through different tree lined areas to get out to some views and there is like one kind of cliff that you can go off trail and sit on and i almost stepped on like one of those mountain grouses <laughs> when i was getting through which was was weird it didn't even move they scare the hell out of me man oh my goodness yeah they're so yeah, they coy do. and invisible until you're right on them yeah exactly but the um the only other thing i would say about east and west royce is that I contemplated coming down Laughing Lion just to Redline to close out like some of those additional trails. Mm -hmm. And then I would have had to do like a mile road walk and that does turn it into a loop. And it's not a bad road walk. You know, you do have to climb a little bit to start with, but then you're going downhill. So depending on how you want to do it, if you want to do a loop, it's pretty easy to use Laughing Lion as a trail to... um, to make it a loop where you can hit, you go up Laughing Lion, hit West Royce, come over or go to East Royce and then come down that trail and walk back or you could go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't discount that. I kind of regretted that I didn't do Laughing Lion because I know Eric Todd Sweet had done that same hike a couple of days later and had done Laughing Lion and said it was a an interesting trail. So mm-hmm. Cool. So that's it. Oh, I wish I had uh, the gas to get over there <laughs> yeah exactly but east and west roy so highly recommend it um i would say on this you know as far as like 52 of the view hikes it's pretty typical you know to me it felt like tremont a little bit like it's very steep and it starts steep and it continues mm-hmm. um it does me it is a pretty easy to go over on the call from east to west so that's not as bad but it is just a it's it's up the whole way yeah Sounds nice. I love the views. I mean, you were posting some really nice pictures. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, and then the next hike I did the next day, I took my nephew, JT, who he's a Boy Scout, so he's done a little bit of outdoor stuff, but he hasn't done a lot of hiking. Mm-hmm. So I took JT up South Moat, and I was like, that would be a good one for him because it's not a super hard hike. It's got amazing views, and uh, he did well. You know, he was in his, like, um, cotton T-shirt and his shorts with a belt buckle and yeah. you know his his basketball sneakers or whatever and he was fine so he i gave him uh one of my backpacks and made sure that he had plenty to drink and gave him plenty of breaks and whatnot but self what they the interesting thing about self 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 moat is that they redirected the trail mm-hmm. so there's a section where it goes up like a kind of like that section on old bridal you know that washed out section on old bridal towards the top before you get to green leaf there's like that really steep section that's just sort of washed out with water yep. so self moat has the same thing and they redirected it so that it's now like a switchback and it goes up a little rock slide so gotcha um, that was the only difference with self mode. And then we got up top and there was one other group up there, two people, like a mother with, uh, with their son or daughter and they were hanging out, taking pictures. But that, that, that peak is just unbelievable. Okay. That reminds me just this little spur here. Um, there's a lot more rumor and talk about 
the investment that the U.S. Forest Service and AMC were doing, you know, on falling waters and this and that. So uh, keep your ears open if anybody hears anything. I'm hearing really? that there'll be some modifications on falling waters, but I have no idea what. But uh, there are. Is that tied to the? Is that tied to the project that they approved for doing more um, trail work on Franconia Ridge? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yep. Which is exciting. I mean, there are a couple spots that are pretty pretty dangerous um, that are fairly frequent uh, spots for rescues and this and that. So they do need some help, which is great. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, just just going back to self mode. Like I, again, so JT's 15 hasn't hiked. You know, pretty pretty you know good good you know he's a young kid so he's he's got some energy to him so it worked out fine i recommend self moat if you're looking to bring somebody that hasn't done a lot of hiking and you want to bring them on a cool hike and they're you know relatively physically fit like self moat is a great place to go it's off of west side road in north conway uh just take past a conway road off of west side and then the trailhead is right before the uh the covered bridge on the kank it's on that that side there. So I think that's the Albany covered bridge. So the trailhead was probably halfway full. Sort of a bunch of people coming up, coming down. But like when we were on the, the peak, there was just not that many people at all. And we had it, we were up there for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes. And it's just like views out to everywhere. Mm-hmm. Presidentials, the Carter Notch, like the Sandwich Range is right in front of you. You've got like the Green Hills and you've got um, Kearsarge North just sticks right out. You can see Pleasant Mountain in Maine and all the way down to like Chicago. It's just unbelievable views there. Yeah. Any special considerations or advice for listeners regarding what to pack during this peak of summer? I would say um, it's super hot right now, so I think take more water than you you think you're going to need. Um, and then for me, I've got the um, I've got the deer fly stickers or tape on my hats, oh, so no I would kidding. take those. I would definitely take sunblock. Make sure you got hats. Um, I've been using a bandana. I've been tying that off onto my shoulder strap to like to wipe the sweat off my face. Yeah. So either put a bandana on or use a bandana. Like Beth Lynn, who I went hiking with this weekend, she has a bandana. She had a bandana on her shoulder as well. I think that's a huge, um, a huge bonus. And even like if you come to a place where you got cold water, like drench that bandana in cold water. Oh, yeah. It's like another way to cool off. So, so did you find that the, um, the horse fly tape was working? So I didn't need it. The horse flies are not out right now where I, where I was hiking, but where I've used it, and I've used it a bunch of times, like locally on trail running here in, in my town. And then also, like, I did that Kilkenny Ridge uh, traverse, yeah. I think, over, like, Fourth of July weekend one year, and that, that they were out of control mm-hmm. there. So They're bad It works great. Now, currently. Yeah. Yeah, it works great. Like, I definitely utilize it. And mm. you need, like, I, I use one of those, like, running hats where the the visor folds and then i just use um i keep two um safety pins on either side of the hat and i just pin on the tape yep and you know it's just like because it's like 
they the deer flies bother me when they hit me multiple times yeah. and what i found is that they hit the tape one time and then you don't feel them so it doesn't bother me after a while. <laughs> so are you literally carrying like the carcasses of dozens of dead flies in the back oh, of your yeah. head oh you, you like I'll, I'll send you a picture of like i had like 25 flies on on the tape That's so nasty on my hat it's nasty but they don't bother you cuz they're on the outside of your hat so um yeah, so that's it, that's and then funny. I'm trying to think. So wow. that beer, that beer hack that I use with the with the leader, like I cover that in a bladder and ice and stick a beer in there. That's always great to keep a beer cold. Like I don't know how people like carry a beer and keep it like it's like lukewarm. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Well, a stomp pro tip: you can just like fill your bladder with beer and just <laughs> forget the cans. That's true. You can do that too if you want, I suppose. Um, I know people will like freeze their uh, Nalgene bar uh, bottles. Yeah. So they'll like f- they'll freeze them uh, overnight, um, and then they'll do that. And then the other hack that I heard about those. So if you're using like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Beth Lynn was talking about this and Mindy this weekend. Freeze the peanut butter and jelly sandwich before you leave, so that it doesn't like get all warm and nasty on you. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that would yeah. work. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Exactly. Pro hacks. So, exactly. So, hopefully, use those tips. So, the next... So, JT had a great time. He's excited. He was like, make sure that you talk about me on the podcast. So, JT, I talked about you on the podcast. We talked about a Hawaiian punch. Stop making fun of your uncle about his podcast now. <laughs> um the next hike I did was Burnt Meadow, which is in Brownfield, Maine. Stomp. So I've talked about Burnt Meadow before. Yeah. I'll post this in the show notes, but I actually did. So you can go off trail on this one, and it has about a it's about a six hundred foot tall slide off the back of the mountain. It's a rock field slide, and I did another video, just a, a one handed video. It's about twelve minutes of just walking through how you would approach a slide. I talked about sort of the three types of slides that you see in the whites around like, you know, boulder field slides, um, scree field slides, and then slab slides. And I just sort of went through how I approach climbing these, uh, how I approach getting off trail, and then talking a little bit about just burnt meadow itself. So I thought it was interesting, but I I also like just talking to myself when I'm on these hikes. So (laughs) were these (laughs) posted on Facebook? Um, so these were posted on Facebook and then I think Huntington is on the YouTube channel. I'll make sure that the Burnt Meadow one gets on the YouTube. Oh, no, Burnt Meadow's on the YouTube channel as well. Okay. Yeah. For listeners, um, we do have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. So, you know, just type in SLASR podcast and you should find us pretty quick. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I think that was over the long weekend and then, after that, at some point, I did this Caribou Mountain loop. So I went back up to Evans Notch and did Caribou Mountain, which is like in Evans Notch, actually past the trailhead for the Royces, another two miles, three miles. And then did that hike, which is another amazing hike. Yeah. That's the one where I talked about how I was like covered in cobwebs. Mm-hmm. So Caribou Mountain is absolutely unbelievable. And it's a seven-mile loop. You only do about 2,000 feet of elevation gain on it. So it's actually an amazing hike if you want someone to, you want to take somebody on like a beginner hike and you want to get them hooked on hiking. Like this, this peak stomp is just like endless. Um, It reminds me of like Shelburne Mariah 
or um, like Welsh Dickey. It's like just a op- bunch of open slabs, and you can just see 360 up to Mahoosig Notch. You can see the Kilkenny Ridge. You can see over to the Presidentials. You can see all the way down Carter Notch and out to Pleasant Mountain in Maine. Like it is unbelievable, and it was like perfect weather. Other than the cobwebs, it was not, and I didn't see a single person. I saw like two people coming down the trail about a half a mile towards the end, and I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to bust through cobwebs anymore. You guys are here, but like, (laughs) it would have been nicer if you would come like three or four miles down faster. (laughs) Um, But completely, like, I probably, I would say when I was on the peak, like, there was not another human near me for probably like five, six miles. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Perfect. That's what we like. Yeah. So, um, again, like people complain about the crowds, but I think what they're doing is they're going to these super crowded areas like, you know, Valley Way or Franconia or wherever, the Lincoln Woods. And like, yeah, you're going to get crowds there and you're going to see a ton of people. But there's just so many places in the whites and around the area where you won't see anybody. I didn't see a single person on Burnt Meadow until I got up to the main peak. And there was like two people sitting there, and then that was it. I went down. So between East Royce, South Moat, Burnt Meadow, and Caribou, the only one that had any even signs of a crowd was South Moat. And even that was just like passing groups coming down. Mm-hmm. And this is on weekends in the summer. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then I guess the last hike that I want to talk about is the bald face loop. So again, going back up to Evans Notch. Dude, uh, I got to interrupt um, you. Yep. See, listeners, this is what we call hashtag crushing peaks. Mike, you're crushing peaks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely happy to get out. And I appreciate my wife giving me the freedom to do it. Awesome. But, and again, most of these hikes, like I said, five to seven miles, you know, 3,000 feet of elevation gain, plus or minus, And it's like, I'm done you know, within four hours, I can get back to the camp and do swimming and, and hang out, have, you know, cook barbecue or whatever. So it's been great. That's awesome. Nice balance. Yeah. Although this this last hike that I'm going to talk about was a little bit longer. I think we got on trail around 730 and we finished up around like 4, 415. But mm-hmm. I actually met with um, Beth Lynn and Mindy who were on an earlier episode. They were um, two friends that me and my uh, sister-in-law and my brother met on Mount Washington when we recovered that backpack for that that hiker that had gotten rescued off of the Jewel Trail. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we've been staying in touch. They were on the show, obviously. So we, we'd always meant to get together for a hike. So Beth Lynn and Mindy met myself, my sister-in-law, Marissa, my niece, Addie, who was 11, and then my daughter, Caroline, and her boyfriend, Devin, joined us. So we had a group of seven people. Wow. So I was a little bit like, I was a little nervous because... Um, you know, Devin had never hiked before. Mm-hmm. So we're like, let's take you on. And our plan was to do the full bald face loop. And that's a long which one. Which is, yeah, it's a long one. And I was kind of like, I was skeptical the whole time because I was like, I don't know if he's going to want to do the whole thing. I want to have him make sure that he has fun. Um, and then, you know, it's just hiking in a group. I don't do that that often. I usually like, I'll hike with my friends, Tom and Jonathan. And I hike with you mm-hmm. and, and Casey and Jimmy and Mark. And, you know, I have um, some other folks that I will get out with occasionally, like my, my brother and sister-in-law, but for the most part, I don't hike in big groups like this. So I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to make sure everybody had fun. Mm-hmm. 
so I put that pressure on myself. But everybody did have fun. And Mindy and Bethlin are awesome. They get a ton of experience. They've done the 4,000 footers and they've done a bunch of 52 with a view. So, and then my, my sister-in-law, Marissa, has a lot of experience and my daughter, Caroline. So, and Addie too. So really the only one that didn't have experience was Devin. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, a mile into the hike, like Devin's like already drank like two liters of water and he's like not looking good. Like he's looking pale by the time we get a mile up the trail. And I was like, oh no, yeah. I'm going to kill my, my daughter's boyfriend. That's dangerous. Yeah. Too much water is like yeah. just as bad as dehydration. Yeah, yeah. It was super hot. But that's when we had run into Christina. So we had taken some breaks, but uh, we got to the shelter. So when you when you hike the bald faces, the problem with the bald faces is no water whatsoever. So if you're going there, you need to bring, if you're going to do that full loop, at minimum, you got to bring three liters of water. And even that's probably not enough. Sure. You have your... Um, what is it? Emerald Pool initially. Emerald Pool, I, I, and that's I it. I thought there was a spring off of the South Peak somewhere, but I could be wrong about that. So there's the shelter is right below the ledges. So I think the, sh- the shelter is like a mile and a half. Yeah. And there's no water source there that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, and I got burnt there one time when I hiked because I thought there was a water source and I had to hike down like a mile. There are some runoffs on Slippery Brook and there's some runoffs lower on this Bald Face Circle mm-hmm. trail, but they were dried up. Well, the Bald Face Circle trail was dried up. There was still some running water on Slippery Brook, but that's no good. We came down that way. Okay. So we got we got to the shelter and everybody just got a second wind once we got to the ledges. Mindy was a little nervous. Mindy gets nervous on like ledges and like she doesn't like the terrifying 25 hikes. So that was the other thing. So we were ner- I was nervous about Devin. I wanted to make sure that Mindy was okay on the ledges. She crushed it. She was fine. So she was just in her head a little bit, but we we got her going no problem. Um but going up those ledges on South Baldface, I it's just unbelievable views. You, you've done the hike before, right? So? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah, two or three times. And on two of the occasions, I saw I saw naked hikers. So <laughs> we talked yeah, about remember that. remember we talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't see any, hopefully. Not this time, but I told you I saw the naked hikers at the Emerald Pool that oh, time. Oh, yeah. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's remote enough. Yeah, exactly. But um, so we we were a group of seven. We went up the ledges. My 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 uh, niece Addie is a beast. She's eleven years old. She's actually going to a um, a hiking camp in Acadia next week. Huh. So um, wow. Yeah, and she's still, she's like halfway through the four thousand footers. I that think so she's like an episode. We should have her on yeah. to talk about Could hiking. Be. We'll have to do. Yeah, we'll have to do another episode with kids. I gave her a trail name too, by the way. Okay, what is that? Her trail name is Bigfoot because she's like <laughs> her feet. You know how when kids grow, like she's starting to grow and she's super tall yeah. and she's got like size ten shoes. So oh, um, I was like, so when Caroline was yelling at me for. Um, not giving her a trail name. I was like, I'm giving Addie a trail name too. She's Bigfoot. And I'm sure Melissa's yelling at you now for telling you that, telling that her feet are too big. (laughs) Yeah, she'll be, yeah, she was laughing. I think so. Marissa, she's, she's funny, but anyway, so we, we made it up to, um, we made it up to the ledges. We were all sitting down in that like sub peak below South bald face. And I was kind of thinking to myself, like, you know, are we going to do this full loop? It's really hot. You know, if we're going to do the full loop, it's going to take us until probably six o'clock at night, six thirty at night to finish up. Yep. And we really like I think that 
we wouldn't have been able to spend a lot of time at the Emerald Pool. So I was already thinking in my head that like when we get up to South Baldface, I'm going to tell them let's turn around and go down Slippery Brook and just bail so that we can spend an hour at Emerald Pool. Right. And it'll be way more enjoyable. So luckily, um, we go, so we get up to the peak and Mindy was sort of thinking the same thing. So when I, I had heard her say like, maybe, maybe I'll, um, I'll go back around and I was like, not going to let us split it up. I was like, let's all go because I, Devin did awesome. Like he recovered and um, was feeling fine. Like the second he started getting above tree line and saw all the views, mm-hmm. he was like a new person. That's um, great. But, you know, we were just chilling out on salt, salt ball face. So this is a lesson like I felt like um, I was just looking at the group. And in my mind, I was like, you know, if we push on, it's going to take us a long time to get through. And at a certain point, it's going to suck. If we just go down and come back down Slippery Brook, it's going to be nothing but downhill the whole way, the rest of the hike, and then we can finish up strong at the Emerald Pool and have a good time swimming and chilling out. So that's what we did. Good. So it was like an easy choice, but I feel like if I was chasing a list, yep. I might have taken the, the the poor choice and said, like, let's all push on, yep. and then that wouldn't have been fun for anybody. But it turned out to be perfect. Now, at the pool, who jumped in off the cliffs? So none of us jumped in. Oh. So there was a bu- there was a bunch of like young people there and campers and stuff that jumped off. They were trying to get me to go. I just went right in, like and just sort of cooled off. And everybody was in uh, in the Emerald Pool, but none of us oh, jumped off. And you get the chump hat. I remember you were teasing me for leaving that uh, triple header there, that baseball game with the Red Sox. <laughs> we left early and they they pulled that off, but uh, oh well. That jump is awesome, bro. It is so great. Some of those people, some of the people that jumped, they jumped in fresh. Like I was like, my my daughter, who's a lifeguard, she was like, that's how they can have a heart attack because the cold water will shock Uh, them and someone's going to have to save them. And I was like, well, it's pretty hot out. So, Oh, God, that is such a beautiful jump. It's absolutely freezing. It is. You need to um, get your... um, unicorn floaty out there <laughs> that would be nice actually yeah exactly um all right but that's it cool. those are all the hikes so again just to recap so in evans notch east and west royce then caribou mountain and then bald face loop so those are like the three premier hikes the only other hike that i would call out in evans notch is there's also blueberry mountain which you can do, which I did years ago, which I'll probably go back and try to do that later this summer. Mm-hmm. But I am absolutely in love with Evans Notch. And I think that anybody uh, that's looking for really challenging, awesome views and wants to get out of the crowds, it's a little bit of an extra drive, but Evans Notch is the place to go. Yep. Awesome. I agree. And you may see a naked hiker every now and then. You may see a naked hiker. It won't be me. <laughs> Nor me. Um, so stop uh, moving on to the next segment, recent search and rescue news. So we've gone pretty far here. So I'm going to skip the national stuff and just stick with the local for now. Sure. And then maybe we'll punt that down the road. But the first one here is a lost rye man. So that's down in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, 
was found. So uh, the Rye Police Department would like to thank numerous agencies that assisted, assisted with the search and rescue of um, a local gentleman. So um, I guess they were looking for him for... I think a day or two. So they found him locally wandering around in the woods. So really good job on the on behalf of the New Hampshire Fishing Game, New England Search and Rescue Dog Team, uh, Portsmouth Police Drone Team, the Rye Fire Department, and the Portsmouth Fire Department. So gentleman was lost, I think, maybe an older gentleman with dementia, and they were able to execute a rescue and find him, which is great. Right. And then another lost person who I have not had updates on since I posted this. Yeah, yeah. you want to do this one, Stomp? Yeah, there's a, a Hampstead man who was lost. Um, apparently the gentleman had dementia and they sent out multiple search teams, drones, state police helicopters, line searches, ATV searches, and more. Um, I honestly have not heard any updates as to whether or not they found the individual, but um, I guess the search continues. And this is local to the Hampstead, you know, Southern New Hampshire police. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. they haven't found this guy. They've been looking. Yeah, he just went out walking one evening, uh, Wednesday, July 6th, and uh, haven't hasn't been seen since. Yeah, I hope he turns up in like Vegas or something like that, but it just doesn't oh, sound good. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Okay, so the next one here is a, a mountain rescue. So injured hiker on Mount Monadnock. So on the afternoon, this goes back a while here, so we haven't, we haven't got to this. So on June 30th, conservation officers with the New Hampshire Fishing Game Department responded to Mount Monadnock in response to a uh, injured hiker. So 53-year-old gentleman from Boston fell head first while descending from the summit on the White Dot Trail of Mount Monadnock. So um, bad injury. He... Um, you know, they basically decided to uh, utilize a helicopter to extract this guy. So, I mean, that coming down that, I mean, it is an open slab, and I can definitely see how if somebody is not keep paying attention, like if you lose, if you start picking up momentum coming down that white dot trail, there's a couple of sections there where you can really just go. My my mother used to call it ass over tea kettle. Like you can really just go flying down there, and um, I would guess that that probably something like that happened. So this guy um, got off the mountain with the assistance of Mount Monadnock Rangers staff and volunteers, so they were able to carry him to a landing zone that's near the summit, and uh, the dart. Uh, helicopter was able to bring the victim to Elliott Hospital in Manchester for further treatment of his injuries. And um, they just put in sort of a PSA here to say, like, this is a good reminder to know your limits and when to turn back. So I don't know if maybe this guy just pressed it too hard and, and got injured or what the deal is. But um, they got a nice picture of the patient getting on the getting into the helicopter on the on the summit here which is pretty interesting yeah and for listeners if you don't know um dart is basically associated with dartmouth hitchcock and it's their advanced response team it's basically um an aerial helicopter which operates 24 7 and they have been serving new england for 25 years plus and 
have a full staff of EMTs, nurses, uh, flight paramedics, you name it. So they will fly out under uh, certain situations and uh, assist for rescues. And I believe they have air bases all over the state, like Lebanon, Manchester, Vermont, um, Burlington, Vermont. So a super handy asset for search and rescue. Yeah, and it's funny, I'm, I'm looking at this Facebook post here, and uh, my friend Maureen is the first comment. She's like, anybody can fall hiking. If you haven't yet, consider yourself lucky, mm-hmm. um, which is true. Yeah, absolutely. Which is very true, very true. But I do think, like, Monadnock, people underestimate it. And it's like, I, I feel like coming down Monadnock, like a lot of those sections there, if you're not used to sort of hiking and, and coming down sort of feet first in a, in a steep slab, like, I, I mean, I think a lot of people that hike frequently, it's they don't even think twice about it, but if you haven't done it, like it's very easy to start picking up momentum and not being able to slow yourself down. Like you can just take a, take a bad fall. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one here, Stomp, is um, I think I feel like we might have done this one already. So I apologize if this is a repeat, but this is on July 7th. New Hampshire Fishing Game was notified of an injured hiker on the Gorge Brook Trail on Mount Musilaki, approximately two miles up from Ravine Lodge. So kind of near where Yuma and Dublin were. Um so this was a 14-year-old kid from Florida, so he was part of a camp group. Pretty sure we did this, but this may be like a more detailed report. He had suffered a lower leg injury and was unable to keep hiking, so volunteers from Pemisar and the staff of the Musilaki Ravine Lodge and CO um, conservation officers from Fish and Game responded to the trail to begin a rescue effort. So um, met the kid at 1030 and were able to assist him down the trail and loaded him into a rescue litter. Uh, 1.15 a.m. they got him out. Yeah, that's a late one. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then, oh, matter of fact, I got a story stomp. Really? We were, so I had the family up. uh, The family was up in Maine, my father-in-law's place, and we were watching. They had Northwoods Law on. Okay. And all the kids, like, they all, like, my brother-in-law makes fun of me because he's like, oh, my brother-in-law does this podcast, (laughs) Search and Rescue, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, and he'll be like, oh, I'm stomping on Mike. Like, he just makes fun of us. That's awesome. So... They had Northwoods Lawn on, and I was like, holy shit, that's Stomp. So you were on the show <laughs> on a rescue. Oh, and I was like pointing, and there was like, it was like my nieces, my two nieces, my nephew, my three kids, my brother in law. And I got so excited. I was like, oh my God, there's Stomp again. So it was like you and Nick. <laughs> and so I kept pointing to like every time you got on the screen, and then every time I would point to go on the screen, I would say, there's Stomp. And they would all start screaming. And they'd be like, oh my God. Storm. Like they would pretend to be so excited because I was excited and it was just like a whole like stomp thing on the TV up in Maine. It's so silly, right? Oh my goodness. Oh, that my that was a really interesting time because a, we were there. That was the episode where our group of hikers were like within, you know, point three of this individual. So that was funny. Yeah. Oh, so you weren't not like, there for the rescue. You were hiking. We were hiking and we were literally at the junction of the last point to one to the Garfield summit, or you could go, uh, towards, um, what is it? Galehead hut the tent site. to the tent oh, site. Yeah, yeah. So downhill point three, I believe. So when that call came in, we were literally at that junction. 
So Nick, myself, and Casey um, went over there and started managing that person while all the uh, rescuers assembled down below at the trailhead. And oh, so up. you three were the first three on the scene for yes, her? we were there for oh, literally hours with this person before anybody showed up. And we just oh, really? you know, we gave her shelter, put you know a tarp over to get the... I mean, this is like 90 degree day. And this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this is all public information, but this person started out coming up old bridal, if I remember correctly, coming up over Garfield Ridge Trail. And there are witnesses at Greenleaf Hut saying that they told her you should probably call it a day now. And she just kept on going. And then there were underlying medical conditions and boom, like, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was like, did a she miss saga. the turn to go back down or did she purposely head out to Garfield? <sighs> I think, or do we, who knows? I think at that point, I want to say that Good Samaritans got her to the tent site and, you know, AMC was involved at that point, but my memories, I mean, that was several years ago. Um, but I think they got her there on purpose knowing that she'd probably just rest overnight and hopefully be able to hike in the morning and just, you know, see what happens from there. But, um, got it. yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize that you guys would just happen to be Johnny on the spot there. That's funny. Oh, yeah, it's super crazy. Uh, like, providential. Like, we're right there. It happens occasionally. Like, there was a recent episode on, um, not episode, but event on Welch here. And I get a text from one of the members of the team saying, hey, we've just blown the summit. Like, awesome. So, sometimes that happens. It's really neat. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh divine intervention yeah, and it's funny because cool. i think for one of it was i think it was my nephew J, uh, jt or hawaiian punch i think he was like he's like imagine what they must be like when when they they get a rescue and there's all these people show up and then all of a sudden like northwoods law is there too like what what is going through people's heads yeah it's funny yeah it doesn't happen anymore that show's gone uh, i don't know where they are i think it's uh wrapped up or whatever but yeah uh, that's too bad super cool um yeah. All right. So next one here, Stomp, is multiple, um, multiple injuries you know, on Mount Major. So July 9th, shortly before 2 p.m., fishing game was notified of a hiker had suffered a lower leg injury. 42-year-old from San Diego, California. She was hiking with a friend when she injured her leg and was unable to continue. Um, friend called 911. They were two miles from the nearest trailhead. So pretty far in there. They can get ATVs in there pretty easily, sure. but I don't know if they can get it that far. So um, Alton Fire and Rescue responded with um, um, all-terrain vehicles, and they were able to drive within a few hundred yards. So they can, they can get up pretty far on Mount Major. Yeah. So she was treated, placed on a litter, and carried to a waiting side-by-side, which transported her most of the way to the trailhead so she was back at the trailhead at four o'clock so not bad mm-hmm. and then they get you know these things come in in multiple so a second call was received shortly before 4 p.m on the precipice trail also on mount major so 71 year old from my neck of the woods Newburyport, had finished rock climbing with a friend and they were hiking out when he fell 50 feet down a gully and sustained injuries which left him unable to walk under his own power mm-hmm. so um, Lakes Region Search and Rescue, along with Guilford Fire, Gilmanton Fire, and, and Barnstead Fire, um, and Alton Fire, they all were able to uh, get ATVs up near the patient. Um, 
he was in rough, rocky terrain, so they did have to get like ropes going. They had to lower ropes and make a. Uh, um, well, he fell down a fifty. You made it very belly. difficult. I mean, that's a significant fall. And I'm trying to think, where the heck is a 50-foot gully on Mount Major? I don't even know where rock... I mean, maybe it's like off to that, like those trails to the left as you go up. But I don't really know. Um, But ultimately, like they got him to the trailhead and he had to get helicoptered out. So he was in in trouble. Yeah, again, by dart. So they flew up pretty high for that. I think this is just an interesting story because Mount Major is such a populated uh mountain for hikers this is one of the busiest hiker hiking areas in the region um it's quite the weekend for them that was july 10th yeah yeah or the 9th anyway um yeah and then the next one here is um going back to garfield ridge so this one just happened this was in july 18th so this was young, some young people this just came out yesterday right. so two 18 year olds from new york and they were with two minors so i don't know maybe I, I love that the kids are getting out there and hiking you know young people get in trouble sometimes mm-hmm. so i'm gonna cut them some slack but it's sort of the classic they missed the intersection they were they were doing falling waters to mount lafayette and down greenleaf they missed the intersection and they headed off across garfield ridge trail so they were almost to garfield pond when they realized they were in trouble they were wet from the rain and out of food limited water there's a pond right in front of you folks yeah, but so if you run out of water like don't worry about filtering just drink but, but the thing about this story is that it was forecast to have two inches of torrential downpouring rain beginning at noontime. So, I mean, who would want to be out in that? It's yeah, so dangerous. Yeah. 18 year old kids that aren't, they don't know what they don't know, I guess. But, um, luckily they, you know, they were smart and they did call, which is good. Yeah. Um, and then due to the situation, uh, AMC was contacted, so the Garfield tent site caretaker and members of the hot crew from Galehead were able to meet up with the hikers wow. around 10:45, um, and and luckily they were able to uh, get them set up with, you know, food, water, warm themselves up to prepare for a hike down. So conservation officer was able to get up there and brought them safely to the trailhead, getting there around 4 a.m. So yeah. good for them, young and inexperienced. It sounds like incredible. Under really yes. adverse conditions. Yeah. Um, so, Stomp, I think we're running out of time here, but I think one last, uh, we'll, we'll push the other ones to the next episode, but one last update I have is there was recently a search conducted from Maura Murray um, about four to five miles away from the crash site. So that went on last week. They had, um, I think, New England canine. They had fishing game out there, and they were looking, they were searching an area close like close to the road where she um where she crashed but four miles down to the east and kind of near like cobble hill oh sure in 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 that area there it's like right off of cobble hill trailhead in that that particular area um i think the moody ledge is the other area where that that particularly i think that's sort of the area where they were searching in and by the way i don't know if they found anything or if they had new information but that's where they were looking gotcha okay what happened anything Um, nothing as of now um julie murray who has a tiktok account that sort of gives updates just said that like she can't really talk about it but she's excited that they are searching 
you know, my theory on this, I've evolved a, a little bit, but I think the most likely scenario here with what would have happened is that Mara was drinking. She got into an accident. She knew enough to sort of get away because she didn't want to have to deal with the police. I think that she was a very strong runner. She took off, figured that she could sort of wait out the situation, sober up, and then, um, you know, show up the next day. And sort of just say that, like, you know, she got to ride somewhere and, and and hopefully get her car back and get it fixed. Mm. And I think through the course of doing that, she probably went into the woods, figured she could sort of hang out for the night and then wait for the, the morning to come. And I think she probably worked up a sweat, got into the woods somewhere, started experiencing hypothermia, and then she's just never been found. That's my theory. Okay. Uh, when did she disappear again? Was it winter? It was February of 2004, I believe. Okay. Interesting. So it was a cold night. Not ridiculously cold, but it was cold. Yeah. No, a very interesting uh, hypothesis. That's my theory. Yeah, I like it. I'm just thinking, like, she had alcohol in the car. She was drinking a little bit, I think, and she probably freaked out, took off. I mean, I know enough friends that so when we were around that age where when they got in trouble, like we all sort of knew, you know, don't stick around the scene, get out of there, sober up. Not that I ever did this stuff. I, I didn't. But um, friends of mine did. And, you, you know, you get the hell out of there, sober up mm-hmm. and then deal with the police the next day. But, you know, you don't want to stick around that scene there and, and get a breathalyzer and get in trouble. So I'm thinking that may be what happened. And because she was a, a, like a very strong Division One level long distance runner, she could absolutely close distance very quickly. She could get four miles away within probably 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Detective Mike. Detective Mike is on the on the on the job. <laughs> Slasher PD. This is a citizen's arrest. Well, I will tell you, like, if this case ever breaks, like, I will immediately like break in for a live breaking news segment. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yes, oh, that's great. Um, but that's it for sixty-seven. This was a long one. Hopefully, you, you got some ideas on hiking, and that's all I got. Stomping anything right else? On. No. We'll see you for uh, sixty-eight. Awesome. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fishing Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some-
are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.